Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Early Line. Starting off a new week here, it is Monday, May 11th. I can't believe, Kevin, that we're already in the middle of May. I mean, we've been talking about it. We are getting close to more and more states opening up their restrictions, more and more leagues welcoming people back to facilities, talking about how we are going to see sports again pretty soon. I mean, we're in the middle of May, Kevin. I'm starting to get excited. I'm starting to get that itch. It sounds like sports are coming back pretty soon. Yeah, we, we're, we're getting closer, and um, it's very, very exciting. It, it, is, it is the final piece for me to just not really even worry then about when they open it up because I have no problem if you make me stay home and I, all I got to do is watch sports. No problem. That's, a, that's an easy ask. I just, uh, you know, I just hope that we can continue to get some positive news. And, and you know, some of the news isn't all, all positive, but for me at this point, like, there was a good period where I felt like a lot of leagues were just hushed. There was nothing yeah. coming out. So, But now it seems like on a somewhat regular basis we're, we're hearing more and more updates. Yeah, absolutely. You know what's funny? We're going to get into the NBA in a second, but we've been talking about the NFL, their schedule release. And I was doing another show with our guy Jared, and mm. I was saying that the NFL gets the luxury – of waiting to see what other sports do. You know, they have their oh, yeah. entire schedule out there. They're like, hey, where all systems go? And they're supposed to start real games, what, in September, right? I think it's September 10th mm-hmm. would be the opener with the Chiefs and the Texans. And, Kevin, what I think is, you know, the NFL just got lucky. You know, this happened, firstly, first of all, in the month of March, right, where mm-hmm. they're not in season. They don't have to worry about heading to the playoffs like the NBA. They don't have to worry about opening day like Major League Baseball. They don't have to worry about, you know, one of their huge events like golf with the Masters. And they can do league business. Free agents can sign. They can have the draft. They could be the only game in town, get all the eyeballs to the set. And they also get the luxury of being a fall sport, right? They're not actually, you know, gathering or playing any games until Mm -hmm. late summer or into September. And guess what, Kevin? By then, they're going to know because they're going to be able to follow the lead of Major League Baseball. We'll know by, you know, late July, early August, if games are able to be played, if teams can travel, if fans are in stands, if fans have to get their temperature checked, if fans have to get their temperature checked just going into the subway, the NFL will already know that. So they can posture, you know, and plant the flag like, yeah, we're going to go. But they'll be able to read the tea leaves of these other sports. They're never going to have to be first to make that decision just because of the way it went on the calendar. So they get the kind of luxury of – you know, letting someone else be the trial balloon. Mm-hmm. By the time we hit August, they'll know what to do because they'll just do the same damn thing Major League Baseball is doing. No, 100%. And, and it's a good thing for the NFL, and you can kind of see that they've, you know, they've flexed their muscle in that way. Realistically, I would say the only thing that they might have to be first on would maybe be letting fans in because of the timing of right. it all. Maybe, right. right? Because I don't think there's any world where the NBA, or the NHL, or Major League Baseball would be able to do that. But if the NFL season goes far enough, right? Like, sure. we got to a point where they're like, hey, right. we could maybe do fans of the Super Bowl. Like, they, they kind of have to make that type of call. But, but even well, by then, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Even by then, like, let's say, let's go through the NFL, you know, season. Let's say sure. by September, they will already be able to follow the lead of, you know, call it Major League Baseball, right, which will be going on and either fans will be in the stands or they won't. Whatever safety protocols will be in place will already be in place. Whatever travel regulations will already be there. Whatever kind of agreements with local and state governments will already be in place so they can kind of ride those coattails, right? And then what you're talking about, I do think makes sense. Maybe later on in the schedule, once we get to the holiday season, November, December, even the beginning of 2021, right they will have to be part of the decision making process but they'll never be alone in that you know what i mean kevin the nba will be going on at that time maybe next year's regular season the nhl as well right and so they will never have to kind of stick their neck out 
and be sure. the first ones to go and face any kind of blowback. The same way we talked about it before, NBA facilities were going to open on you know last Friday, and they had to push it back. The NFL will never be in that situation to be kind of like that lone actor that has to go first and be that trial balloon. And so it's a little bit easier for them to kind of talk tough. And they got lucky that they can still conduct free agency and the draft, you know, other ports of league business while the actual kind of uh, quarantine was in place. Yeah, and I think one of the interesting things, though, for the NFL is them kind of figuring out their schedule, right? Like, we're, you know, yeah. we'll get a little bit into kind of some of the plans that the NBA has, right? But for the NFL, uh, training camp begins, is it by July? Is it? Yeah. If I'm not right? I mean, right. that's, you know, we're talking about almost a two month window that they usually take to ramp up to where they then start playing sure. their games. And I think when it comes to a sport like football, they're, you know, they're not likely to want to cut corners. But of course, with the fact that people don't really love the preseason, you know, there could be some kind of wiggle room with all of that. But, you know, they might need a still at least, I would say, five week window. I would say at least a five week window to for them to kind of ramp up to be playing games. So the NFL uh, might need to push back a little bit more. But as you've said, or, or you know, with but the still. Super Bowl, they've kind of got that baked in and they're prepared. For, for those type of things. And the good thing that they have, I think, over, you know, college sports, right, when it comes to, you know, college football, for example, right? Now, you know, college football, maybe they'll do something like turn it into a winter sport and yeah. hope that they can, right. you know, just work that way. But ultimately, there is a strict limitation on kind of what they do when, you know, we kind of hit May, those kids are graduating. And if we're playing, you know, NFL playoffs in May, fine. And I'm sure most players will be happy with it. Fans will be happy with it. And everybody will be like, look, I'm just glad we've got football here. Yeah, sure. I know the schedule's a disaster, but in time, we'll figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. Even though that if training camps or OTAs have to get going in, you know, July, let's say, the backwards plan for a season, right, preseason camp, even in July, they will have the kind of marker of what Major League Baseball did for spring training. You know, which we're hearing may start as early as June. Well, they'll see, you know, how much time did, say, the NBA give its players to ramp up for the playoffs or to complete the regular season. So I'm just saying the, the fall sport that's there, they get to kind of already read the tea leaves and not have any of the blowback from the public. They get to kind of follow the leader in those terms. One of the leaders will be the NBA, Kevin. And, you know, we've been talking about everything from in Major League Baseball. We call it the Bob Nightingale plan from kind of the merged divisions, yeah. right? Playing in your own home stadiums, limiting travel. And we've looked into that. Adam Silver had a call with the players, though. Kevin, and, and we're starting to see a little bit of the details of what it might look like mm -hmm. for the NBA to come back and crown a champion. Let me go through some of the things I took away mm -hmm. in this uh, call that he had with the players. And, you know, feel free to add some more meat on the bone. And then I sure. definitely want to get your reactions to it. I saw four kind of major pieces of this. Okay. All right, Kevin. One is that. You know, there's been a conversation on will they play the rest of the regular season, right? That same idea. You have to ramp up, get it back in, quote unquote, game shape, you know, because we're going to see pulled hamstrings. We're going to still pull, pulled groins. We're going to see a lot of those injuries if they don't have some practice time because, you know, they've been uh, in mothballs for the last mm -hmm. two months. So I think that is very important. But it sounds like in this proposal, we will forego the rest of the regular season and go straight to the playoffs. I think that is very interesting. I think another part of it that's very interesting is they will still have a mini camp, right? It won't be the quote unquote regular season, but it looks like they're going to have maybe a three or four week mini camp. And we've already started to see this facilities being opened, you know, four players at a time, and they're just going to keep on adding to it, right? Larger and larger groups until teams can actually get going for about three weeks for mini camp. I also think it's interesting. We've seen two locations being talked about, right? And in the same way for Major League Baseball, we were talking about Orlando and Texas and Arizona. It seems like we're going to go east and west. It seems like Vegas and the MGM is one answer. And then it also seems like Disney World is an answer as well, right? Mickey Mouse checking out the Eastern Conference Finals. And then here's the part that I think is very, very interesting. We have to compromise something. 
Kevin, mm-hmm. right? And the calendar is the calendar. You talked about it. And if they go too far, they threaten the start of next season. Now, I know there's talk about, oh, maybe we start on Christmas. Oh, maybe this is the opportunity to rejigger things anyway. But remember, you have to have free agency in the draft and all that, th- all the things that the NFL is doing now. Mm-hmm. And so what I think is very interesting is what I've seen is that they may not have best of seven series, right. but best of three series for the playoffs. And we've talked about how that, you know, adds variance, uh, right? The cream rises to the top. I think those are very interesting. Those are the four pieces of the plan that yeah. I saw. I guess the last one would be if a player does, in fact, get COVID, yeah. they're going to be quarantined. They're going to be quarantined for 14 days following the national policy. And then, you know, your team is SOL. You know, if that player happens to be Damian Lillard, well, so what? If that player happens to be Jimmy Butler, so what? If that player happens to be Giannis Antetokounmpo, So what? Mm -hmm. Those seem to be kind of the pillars of this call and of this plan. Um, Overall, what are your thoughts? So I think, I mean, everything that you kind of laid out there are are pretty much the main points. And I think it would be, you know, wise to try and unpack them uh, individually as as best we can. And it'll probably even go uh, into our next segment. So uh, I'll pull it back. Yeah, right. We've uh, we've got all the time in the world. I'll I'll, I'll pull it back to, you know, to where you let off, because it's maybe the most important thing, uh, the most important question looming over the NBA, aside from the obvious, when do we begin, is will there be a regular season? Mm. And it matters for, you know, the teams that are out knowing whether they need to get ready. Right, such as the Golden State Warriors, such as the New York Knicks, the Atlanta Hawks, the teams at the bottom, right, knowing whether their season is legitimately done or not. But of course, it matters significantly more for these teams on the cusp. Okay, the Washington Wizards are not as far out as you would think from the Orlando Magic. And we've talked about it a lot right. with the Western Conference. You just said Damian Lillard, who actually right now isn't in That's the true. playoffs. That's Zion true. Williamson and the Pelicans right now mm-hmm. aren't in the playoffs. And it would be Fine. the Memphis What if Grizzlies. it's John Morant who tests no, no, positive? No, 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 no. That also <laughs> applies. My, my, my point more right. so is just the fact that, like, Currently, as it stands, Damian Lillard's not making it. And those are big decisions that have to be made. Mm -hmm. And I think the other piece that is attached to this idea was Adam Silver saying, we have the flexibility to go all the way up until into June before we make our decision as to what we will do moving forward. And my expectation, Dane, is that they will wait as long as possible to make right. this decision. But the conditions on the ground are changing day by day. They absolutely are. But I do believe that the longer they wait, the regular season is more and more at jeopardy. And I will say one of the overall arching points of, of all of this information is that the regular season is far from the priority. And the priority is keeping the playoffs what they are right. and ultimately then crowning a champion. And that is unfortunate for your Blazers, your Pelicans, and your Wizards. Yeah. Absolutely. Like you mentioned, the Blazers, the Pelicans and Kings, you know what, within maybe three, two, three games of the playoffs in the West. And then I look at the East and we talk about a team like the Wizards. Maybe they're five games back. But for those final 18 games, they may have been able to have John Wall back as well. We're going to go into this. Some of the other pieces. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the early line right here on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh taking you around the world of sports, trying to figure out how to make some money off of it. And that's what we're going to do now, Kevin, in this first hour, because it looks like the NBA is starting to add some details on how the playoffs may look, whether the regular season will come back or not. And it's very intriguing, and there's probably ways to get ahead of it. Mm -hmm. One of the pieces that we heard uh, from this call Silver had with the players was that, listen, if a player does in fact test positive, right, and they're going to try to test the players daily, you know, testing is a big key of this. And it seems like we have now, you know, like Listerine strips, which could be kind of giving you results pretty fast. And if testing does become widespread in this country, the fact that we're using all these tests on players wouldn't be kind of an ethical issue because anyone who needs a test can get it in this country. I don't know if we're really there right now, but that's a different topic for a different day. So Mm -hmm. I guess my question, though, is, 
this is huge variance, Kevin. Yeah. Like, we don't know what player is going to test positive. I'll be willing to bet that over the course of these NBA playoffs, someone's going to test positive. You know, like, it's just way too contagious of a disease in this country. Yeah. Like, it's going to happen, especially if we are traveling back and forth, whether they're quarantined or not. You know, it's going to happen when you think about just the sheer numbers of it all. And I find it interesting, Kevin, that if a player tests positive, they're going down. Right. It's like they're going on the DL. They're getting quarantined. They're getting tested because of the risk. I think that's the right decision. Sure. But to me, that just adds so much variance because it's one thing if your ninth man in the rotation gets it. But what happens? Not if, but when mm -hmm. the first all star goes down by testing positive. What yeah. does that mean for you for the competitive balance of these playoffs and your willingness to bet them? Yeah, I mean, it, it does make it almost impossible, right? Because, you know, if if let's just take Team A, right, and player number one goes down, that's a disaster. That's the best player on the team. Now, if player number 10 goes down, look, everyone is a human, but the ultimate reality of what we're doing here is, all right, I'll survive. It's the playoffs. I don't know how many minutes player number the 10 was going to be getting. We're finding value for money, Kevin. Yes. You know, so yeah. we be callous about this. Right. I think, I think what is... It's, it's trying to figure out, basically, right? So they're obviously going to be doing these – they have to be doing base-level testing oh, yeah. in order yeah. to even begin to begin the process. Right. What, to me, begs the question is do, how they're going to be quarantining and what have you, right? Is if on day one, everybody is negative. Everybody is negative, right? Which Hold is on. the way they have to start, right? Yeah. They can't start it until everyone in the Truman Show bubble is negative. Exactly. But here's so that my thing, though, is right. If on day five, yeah, someone is positive. Yep. I feel like right there, the Jenga tower completely collapses. And it is not because of a, even a PR nightmare or, oh, it's unfair to that team to have to lose out on a player due to a, a disease that is incredibly serious. It's not even that it's they've all been in the same place. And that means if one person got it. Yeah, because if they're all safe, then yes. that means it's in the bubble. So right, that player who now is tested positive the whole time thought they were negative, and so right. did everybody around that player. Right. So the odds that they were able to not transmit it to anybody else in the bubble, I think, it's is very low. I, yeah, it, it almost is impossible. I would almost yeah. say it, it's it's not a thing. There's there's no way that's the scenario. So that is a a major major risk of this whole thing is and it's something that that i'm sure they've asked a bunch and maybe the answer is is just no because you can never be certain but the right. question would be hey listen if we are all here quarantined when everybody when i let you <laughs> through those doors the answer was no is there any way the answer turns to yes because if it does then yes yeah, we are playing a very very dangerous game right once the virus has penetrated the bubble, yeah. it's penetrated the bubble. That's it. You know, I, it's funny. I I always thought, you know, I, I was a Knicks fan growing up. They went against the Bulls all the time. Michael Jordan, you know, the last dance. We just saw episodes, I believe it was seven and eight yesterday, and we'll yeah. talk about that as well this week. But I always thought, you know, in my callous ways, to send the 12th man on the bench for the Knicks and just punch Michael Jordan. Just get in the fight. <laughs> just get in the fight with him. And yeah. this is the theory, right, that we're talking about here, where if player number 12 gets coronavirus, eh. But if the star does, then that team is screwed. I was always like, why don't we just send our last man to just get in the fight with Michael Jordan? And sure, our 12th player will get suspended for three games, but so will MJ. And so on balance, it helps us. And I mean, we're going to see something like that in the NBA playoffs because, you know, with one team, let's say it's a bench player that does go down. But with another team, let's say it's Luka Doncic that goes down. Now what? You know, so I think it is very, very interesting. Thing, but we will see that another thing that we've seen in this proposal Kevin is the idea of three game series yeah. potentially instead of five or seven game series now they may need to do this for the calendar right to preserve mm -hmm. any chance of the 2021 season going off um, with fidelity to the model as closely as possible. But I think this is interesting as well. We have talked time and time again Kevin about the idea of if you shorten everything. 
you increase the variance of it, right? We were talking about the Major League Baseball season. We were talking about all sorts of ways how, you know, there's a saying, the cream rises to the top over time. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have that time, I think, Kevin, tell me if I'm wrong, you got a better chance of upsets because on any given day, you know, the seven seed could beat a two seed in a game. Mm -hmm. But now the two seeds on the brink of elimination if this is a three game series. How do you view potentially three game sets instead of five or seven? Yeah, it, it is. It is a massive change. The defending champion Toronto Raptors last year lost game one in Toronto, two sure. versus seven to the Orlando Magic. Right Now, I know they proceeded to win the next four, but the pressure on you to win the next two or mm. you're done is significantly higher. It just and is. And if there is any word, Kevin, I'm sorry, is there any word on if it's three games, do you know if it would be 1-1-1 one, 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 or 1-2 so so or 2-1? So basically, I think, right, what we all have to work off the assumption of is though they were, and we're going to talk a little bit about the locations next, right. uh, they're all going to be in the same spot. So I think well, that makes it a little bit easier. That's right. They'll all be was, in Vegas. There I, is no travel. My bad. Right. No, no, but I was thinking about that yesterday. You're right. Luckily, I, I, you know, I had betting around the rim this weekend, so I was able to <laughs> – I was just saying – I wear a different color jersey in game two? Lights <laughs> versus darks? What are we doing? Do no. I get to wear my home uniform on games one and three? And I think the thing with the – now, one Adam Silver, very adamant that he wants to keep the playoffs whole. Best of seven every single round, right? And again, we we it's very, very clear that the That's playoffs nice matter most. Absolutely. But considering the time frame that we're kind of working with, right? So we can go into June before we make our call. So let's just say it is June 15th, right? And Adam Silver says, guys, we are rolling. You there, you there. We're going. Sorry, Blazers, no regular right. season. Playoff start. Okay, cool. Now, how many days does it take us to set up shop and where we got to go and get everybody tested? Let's call it a week. Let's call it a week. Beautifully. Okay, so now it is the 22nd, right? And we've got everybody ready to go. Bang, boom. We already have said right. minimum three-week training camp. And let's say they do go with their minimum three-week training camp. Yeah. Well, it is now almost, or it probably is now, mid-July. Mid-July. And you have got a seven-round series. So what is that? There's rounds one, two, three, and four, if I'm not mistaken. We've got four different rounds. Yeah. That's it's a lot to figure out. And I think that's a scenario where maybe round one is best of three. And mm. that is so dangerous. It sure is. So, so dangerous for these teams. It is it is almost it is and it'll be really the best way to try and figure out your value will be through series prices. Right. I guess that does make sense. And we'll look at what some of these series are going to be a little bit down the road. One other piece of this that I think is interesting. Um, we talked about the best of three. We talked about the quarantine for me is the idea of, like we just said, two locations, right? Let's call it the strip for the Western conference and MGM. And let's call it Disney world for the well, Eastern conference, right? Because that's where I'm starting to hear we talked about this a little bit already. We only got a couple of minutes left in this segment, say like three minutes. I think the impact of that, we talked about it before, are there some teams that have dramatically strong home records? Right now, playoff teams usually are really good at home. You become 500 or a little bit better on the road. That's your recipe to being a playoff team. And I acknowledge that. But there are certain teams that I think have ridiculously imbalanced home versus road records. We've talked about them. Like, for example, in the Eastern Conference, the Heat and the Sixers are, you know, impenetrable at home. Those two teams have a combined seven losses at home for the entire season. They're going to be in Disney World. They're going to be at Disney World right now where, you know, the Orlando Magic are the eight seed. It is, in essence, a home game. They're sleeping in their own beds. Well, maybe not in the Truman Show, but <laughs> they are familiar with their environment as the eight seed. You know, I mean, and out west, I mean, notoriously, Utah, Denver are teams that have had strong field of uh, home court advantages. What do you see the impact of these teams being in the bubbles? So I think. I will say this part of the plan oddly made me smile. There is something okay. about the chance of still separating the conferences that I was like, yeah, that's the NBA, my East right. and my West. And I don't know yeah. why, but I was like, I was excited about the, the proposition. Uh, also, monetarily, you'd have to think, right, Dane, this would make a ton of sense from them. Because what? instead of just taking, like, it was, it was probably more lucrative to give Vegas eight 
and give Orlando eight and then figure out where the finals will be as opposed to giving one of those two sites all 16. Sure. So I definitely think that this will be the plan. In terms of figuring out these teams with these drastic home road splits, no teams stand out more than the 76ers and the Miami Heat. Right. It, it begs the question, is it because they're feeding off of the crowd so much? Because if that is the case, then won't there's, be crowd for anybody. Yeah, there's no crowd, period, right? Is it the comfort of your own bed? Because as you know, you just right. walked through it there, right? The Magic don't really even have that for, right. uh, you know, and also they're going to play the Bucks. I don't, you know, you could let them sleep wherever they want. Um, I don't know what they'd be able to do against Milwaukee, nevertheless. Um, but it's also, you know, trying to, I guess, figure out neutral sites. But again, it's the idea of there aren't crowds. And I think that is something that is so fascinating, right? Because you absolutely can feed off of your home crowd, but you can also sometimes feed off of the road crowd. But even on a neutral side. Wearing the black hat with pride. But like, yeah, but even on on neutral sites, like we saw this year, uh, the Bucks and the Hornets played over in Paris. I believe it was Mm. the Suns and the Spurs that played down in Mexico. And there are crowds there. There's stuff for you to feed off of. And in this instance, you're really just going to be working on the back of, you know, your contemporaries right and i i will say this though and uh, here i go again with wrestling but i wonder if they would almost it's have like a full other... two segments today <laughs> but i almost wonder if they will have uh the other teams in the crowd now right. they're not going to be telling them like oh make noise and cheer but you know in essence just the shooter's wonder... eye right just the idea of having fans in the stands yeah. i do think that makes sense listen here's what we're going to do kevin um we are going to come on back And when we do so, we're going to look a little bit deeper. We'll look at these first-round matchups and say, which, if any, does the idea of the variance, the three-game series, all of this stuff we're talking about, where is it a liability for some teams? That's what we're going to do. It is the early line. Dane and Kevin here on the grid giving you... SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody. Here on the early line, I'm Dane Martinez. He's Kevin Walsh. And listen, we had a big-time call with Adam Silver and the NBA players starting to figure out what the playoffs could look like because it sounds like they are going to crown a champion at some point this summer. So now we turn our attention to the Eastern Conference, Kevin. And now that we know, listen, these games are likely going to happen down in Disney. We know that there may be three-game series. We know about the policies in play. Mm -hmm. So let's apply this and see who we have coming out of a very unique bracket or times here in the Eastern Conference. I have to disclose something to you, Kevin, though. I have two futures bets on the Eastern Conference, okay? And it's interesting, when you were saying before we went to break that you're happy that there's an East and a West. Mm -hmm. So am I, bro, because if they (laughs) merged all this stuff like MLB or whatever, then I would just get null and void on my Eastern Conference uh, plays. So I'm going to disclose, I right now have two teams uh, to win the Eastern Conference, okay? Mm -hmm. Those two teams, I got both of them at around 10 to 1. I am holding the Boston Celtics, and I am holding the Miami Heat to win the Eastern Conference. I will just, you know, be honest about that. So if you think I'm being a little bit uh, Homer-ish about it, (laughs) that's the reason. But let's play this out. Let's start with the 1-8 series. This would be Milwaukee. This would be Giannis, the likely MVP, going against the Orlando Magic, who right now are five games under 500, but are holding on to that eight spot. They've got about a four and a half or a five and a half game lead on the Wizards anyway. So it does look like they will be the eighth seed. It's mm-hmm. interesting to me, Kev, because this is going to be going down in Orlando, right? Yeah. Now, I understand they're in the bubble. I understand, you know, there will be no Orlando fans necessarily in the building. But listen, Milwaukee should steamroll them, right? Yeah. But there do seem to be a couple of things here. The fact that it's in Orlando, the fact that it's a three-game series, so variance, like, uh-oh, what if Orlando happens to get game one? Yeah. You know, I, I think Milwaukee would advance, okay? Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. But there is a greater chance of it coming up snake eyes for them, either because of the shorter series or because of the risk of, you know, Giannis as the most valuable player, right? Like, if he went down, they're screwed. Yeah. So, I mean, 
I'll call it Milwaukee advancing, but mm-hmm. they're, this Milwaukee is the exact kind of team where these kind of conditions could come back to bite them. This is a series where the best of three as a better would make me happy. Right. But for unlike reasons to the other ones, because yes, it adds all of this variance and a what if scenario. But I will say, I don't know if I don't, I just can't see it playing out. I think Milwaukee is on far too much of a mission to let under any circumstances, the Orlando magic mess that up, but it has to be priced differently. Now I would, I would absolutely defer to you. The variance. Yeah. I, I would defer to you when it comes to pricing these series. Um, but I would, still believe that whatever you would have Milwaukee priced at for a seven-game series against Orlando Magic with games in Milwaukee and games in Orlando, I would think now they are at it. It is a bit of a discount, and I actually might be willing to then come in on the Milwaukee Bucks series price. Okay. Interesting, because you're acknowledging that the variance is there, and you're thinking that that variance, if priced correctly, only gets you extra value, because we could talk until the cows come home, the Bucks are going to win this series, yeah. right? So, in essence, this variance that is at play, and the way the books must adjust for it, you know, I, I don't know exactly, right, but call it, they may, under normal circumstances, the series price may be minus 370, mm-hmm. and now it might be minus 310. Right. And so let's say that happens just to correct me if I'm wrong. What you're saying is what you want to bet the bucks. And so that's going to give you 60 cents of value there. So I agree. All right. So we got the bucks still moving on. No problem. The two seven right now would be the Toronto Raptors and the Brooklyn Nets. Okay. now this is a very interesting one to me, Kevin, because of the wild card of KD. Mm -hmm. Right. You just said it. You know, you talked about uh, early June and then a three week mini camp. Right. And all this stuff that has to happen by the time July hits. Yeah. Kevin Durant may be available for these nets. So, A, do you think KD and or Kyrie would be on the court if this happens? Mm-hmm. And then given that answer, how would you look at Nets Raptors? So I don't I don't see Kyrie coming. I, okay. I believe they said the earliest he really should be able to come back would be like September with the shoulder injury. Obviously, the hundred ten million dollar question. Kevin Durant though is really interesting, and part of the of this equation is: Do you become immune to the coronavirus after you get the coronavirus? Fair because Anti- Kevin Durant had coronavirus. Antibodies represent, and that players did. They may be the team that's like bulletproof in this. <laughs> Right, like they don't got to worry about anybody going down. Now, Durant actually was the only one that we found out about. I don't believe they gave us the names of the other uh, three players. Now, it really, though, like I, and like as much as it is a little funny, it's also a very, very serious thing. Like whether Kevin Durant's like, I can't be impacted by this. It's a best of three, whatever. Let's go out there and make it happen. Now, I will say over a seven game set, I don't know if Durant is enough to, to get through this Raptors team because he's like, Kevin Durant is, when he's fully healthy, easily, easily one of the five best players. And usually, Maybe the best player on the planet. Yeah, like, right. But this Kevin Durant, now, and again, I know there's been a long layoff, and I know he looks great, but, like, we're talking about your return being the NBA playoffs against, even though I know Kawhi's not there, still the defending champions with a winning pedigree. Yeah. So that is where, to me, I think I would be interested in the Nets if it is a three-game set with Durant there. All other circumstances, I lean towards the Raptors. And if we got Kevin Durant to come back for a seven-game set, I think the Raptors then are going to provide you value. Fair enough. Do you think the Raptors, and we've talked about this before also, those veteran experienced teams, right? Do you think in this situation where they had like a two- or three-month break, do you think they may gel more quickly, hit the ground running more quickly than other teams that have to kind of uh, sack up after these starts and stops? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point. Just like we've we've played together not only, you know, a little bit longer, but we've played together in the postseason. Like we comprehend, right. you know, these kind of environments. Right. More. Although one could make the argument nobody understands what it's like to play in these environments. So maybe it literally isn't beneficial for anybody. But if it was going to be, I think the Raptors would certainly kind of fit that billing um, quite a bit. All right. So you got Milwaukee and Toronto still advancing, right? Yes. 
All right, fair enough. Three six is interesting. Three, Kevin, this would be the Boston Celtics against the Philadelphia 76ers. Okay, now, truth be told, I told you I'm already holding Boston to win the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Okay, so whatever. However, here's what I'm saying, though. The Sixers are one of those dominant home teams. Yes, 29 and 2 at home. You know, Kevin, they are. The Sixers are 14 games under 500. Yep. On the road. And I know this is a neutral site. So be it. One of the other things we talked about was that uh, Ben Simmons may be another one of these players that could be back mm-hmm. ready to go um, when we hit June or July. I kind of think the Celtics are a team, though, because they have so many guys who can do it. They're deep. Right. And mm-hmm. so I think in this situation, when there's so many unknowns coming back, I think a team like Boston, where, listen, if Tatum is not having a great night, it's OK, because Kemba can pick up the slack. Jalen Brown can pick up the slack. Gordon Hayward could pick up the slack. I think a team built like Boston in these times, you have a better chance of, you know, someone being hot. So mm-hmm. I would like to lean towards Boston. I already told you that I'm going to be biased here, but I also think Philly not having any games in Philly might hurt them. I would lean Boston. I also think they have an edge when it comes to the coaching. But what say you on this? Yeah, I don't think you're biased for picking Boston, right? Like, okay. I think sometimes, too, like, people get a, get a bad rap for being biased. Like, you you didn't make that bet because you were biased. You made right. that bet because so of what, what you thought. Right, because of what I'm you a New believe. Yorker, too, so for me, exactly. laying anything on Boston was a little That's bit right. tough. You know what I mean? Like, you made that bet because of what you believed in that Celtics team, and it now carries over to the same conversation. Right. I think sometimes people are like, oh, you're biased, and I think it's, I think it's misused uh, in, in these circumstances. With that being said, I don't know how I feel about this for the Celtics. To mm. me, Philly has always been the nightmare matchup for them. Yeah. Always has been the nightmare matchup for them when it comes to Joel Embiid. And you talk about the road record for Philly, noted. And Boston's been incredible at home. Yep. One of the few impressive road victories, maybe the only, that Philly has is in Boston. Hmm. Now, Boston has gotten them since then. And that was a little bit earlier on in the season. That was, you know, pre-Jason Tatum's I am a top 15 dude in this league uh, type of play. 100%. But I, I have said a couple of times that I wonder if this layoff actually could be beneficial for Philly, where they just almost all needed a breather because... I mean, how could it like it wasn't going to get better? They were just everybody was hurt. They were losing, yeah. they were losing still every road yeah. game. Like it was all a bit of a mess. And I think them coming back in, a, especially in a three game set against a True. team like the Celtics, where the I just, kind of thing, right? Like Embiid can just take over one of them. Yeah, I just don't think the matchup favors Boston, and I would lean towards Philly in this spot. All right, so we're going to be different here because I'm going to lean towards Boston. You know, I got to keep my guys alive. We only got a couple minutes here. The last first round uh, series would be Miami Indy. Now, listen, I like Indy. I think they're a good team. I think they're a quality team. I think you've talked about this with Oladipo kind of coming back. What happens to guys like Brogdon and Sabonis who kind of found themselves? I think the Miami Heat would advance also because they have that closer in Jimmy Butler. I think they're the more experienced team. I think they're the more professional team. I would have Miami moving on. Do you agree? Yeah, I absolutely do. I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, tear down two futures bets for you here, but I, I definitely, <laughs> I like Miami in this spot. And one of the funny things that happened after, you know, uh, I spoke um, about the Victor Oladipo chemistry situation in, uh, you know, with the Pacers was then it came out some contract extension talks with him and the Pacers, where they are universes apart. Four years, $80 million for Oladipo. Now, listen, the idea of anyone scoffing at $80 million might sound preposterous, but you have to understand what we're talking about here. $20 million for Victor Oladipo a year, over four years? I mean, that is laughable. That is absolutely laughable for a guy that came to this franchise. You know, I would say absolutely helped elevate them, especially post-Paul George, right? Like, that was, you know, after the Paul George trade, came in, all-NBA talent, got injured. And I understand the injury concerns, but he was – if anybody watched any Pacers games at home, you saw him on the bench. The biggest fan in the entire building was Victor Oladipo, supported yeah. this team through and through. Now, I'm not saying I can't understand my maybe a couple of reasons as to why the Pacers would prefer to maybe trade a Victor Oladipo than pay him a $40 million a year contract. But 
there's no way they're getting away with paying Victor Oladipo that kind of money. And that offer, I think I could see as disrespect. So to me, Interesting. I'm super out on the Pacers. All right, so Kevin's out on the Pacers. You know I'm on Miami. So Kevin has the higher seeds moving on with the exception of Philadelphia. And I have no upsets in the first round in the Eastern Conference. When we come back, we'll continue to play out the East because we got to have some something other than the chalk, right? We'll find out. It's Dane and Kevin. It's the early line right here on SportsGrid. Come on back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back here to the early line. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh, where now that the NBA looks like they're getting the all clear to start coming back to facilities, to imagine what the regular season and playoffs may look like, we're digging in to see if any of the factors here, any of the pieces of the plan make me find value in the playoffs, right? Because of best of three series, the impact of someone potentially testing positive, the impact of it being in two sites instead of home court advantage. And as we have it so far, we've gone through the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. And so far, I'm going chalk. Kevin has a mini upset. He wanted to ruin one of my future tickets <laughs> right away. And so let's pick up with that. Um, one Eastern Conference semis that we both agree on Kevin, mm -hmm. is the one versus four, right? We would both have Bucks versus Heat, okay? And now, I got to tell you the truth. You, you said it before, right? I made those plays for a reason. Yeah. And one of the reasons I did take Miami is because I think they are perfectly equipped and ready to take out Giannis. I really think that the Heat could be a team to take out Giannis. I think they have a lot of players to kind of be on him and get fouls. I think Bam Adebayo is a very interesting matchup. I think they have some other dudes in there. And they're just a defensive grind-out team. And I yeah. think they have a closer in Jimmy Butler. And I think they, they're the team, if you remember, who, before the trading deadline, acquired a ton of veteran guys who can play both ways, Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder. I think these are the kinds of professionals with playoff experience yeah. that could frustrate Giannis. Now, in a, in a regular season game, he's amazing. He's been putting up one of the best regular seasons of all time. I, however, believe, and this is what I said last year, that if a team like a Toronto or if a team like Boston or a team like Miami had them in a full series, mm -hmm that over time they figure out a defense for Giannis and they force others to try to beat them. I think Miami would be able to figure that out. I'm leaning towards Spolstra. I'm leaning towards, you know, Brad Stevens. And so you could disagree if you want. I would take the Miami Heat to beat the Milwaukee Bucks. So, uh, you know, we, you know, obviously you and I right now, we're, we're building our rapport. We're, we're, we're doing sure. our shows together. We don't know the takes that we've had throughout the Previously, NBA season, right? right? Funny enough, I uh, have been back in the Miami Heat in a really? comparable spot okay. all year long. Uh, the Miami Heat, so the Bucks lost three times this season at home. The Heat were one of them. Now, it was way, way earlier in the season. Jimmy Butler didn't even play in that game. So when they were going to play again in Miami, it was a massive game. Right. And everything that you just laid out there played out. Where yes. Bam Adebayo... Is mm -hmm. maybe and they the sagged back. They had Giannis shooting from outside. And if he could hit him, I'll tip my cap, mm -hmm. right? But I don't know. Maybe they figured out a blueprint. I, I And it's, it's legitimately plausible. I mean, the Bucks have lost 12 games this year, and the Heat are two of those losses. And that mm -hmm. might not sound like a lot. It's a lot when you consider uh, – when, right. when you kind of consider all of that. So it, it is something that – it has pulled me in directions – Countlessly. And I think, by the way, right, and I, I, we're seven games here throughout. There's no way we get to round so. two and, and we're doing three game know. sets. It that, depends on the calendar, right? I mean, I, they could be yeah. forced into a position where that happens, or maybe it's five. Yeah, maybe five would be the minimum, I would say. But I'd like to believe seven. Fair enough. I mean, we're predicting all of this anyway, right? We're projecting anyway. So go ahead. 100%. But I still believe in a seven game set, Miami. I think they figure it out. I, think they I just I think they have something to them that is 
that can be comparable to what the Toronto Raptors did to them. I, I think, you know, we kind of talk about nightmare matchups, right? And the reason why I went with the Sixers over the Celtics, Celtics is because it was a bad matchup for them, right? Mm-hmm. And I just think for Milwaukee, I think this is, I think there's, you know, and whether they know it yep. or not, if I'm them, I'm sitting there hoping, praying, please, Indiana, figure your stuff out and get rid of this team. And obviously, in this instance, we don't believe that happening. So, uh, you know, here in this exercise, because I do go back on it. Milwaukee is an awesome, awesome team. But they're a regular I, season team, in my I, opinion. I think, they're, I think they are more, you know, I, I think that they are more than a regular season team, personally, because I think sometimes they get a bad rap. Like, they were up 2-0 on the defending champs. And then that team went nuclear from the outside. Kawhi Leonard completely took over the series. Um, but they also figured out how to handle Giannis. And I think, no, I mean, look, they, they did a much better job, obviously, with Giannis. I think Giannis this year, though, is better than he was last year. But I also think, man, that game against the Lakers, I know it's one singular game, but Middleton and Bledsoe not stepping up in that exactly. playoff type of atmosphere. Exactly. It worry me some. There's just something about this Miami team. I, in this exercise, I will as well go with right. the Miami upset. Fair enough. So we both have Miami advancing. That means I could do all sorts of hedges with my futures bet. So it's all good, Gavin. Um, and then the other one, uh, we both have Toronto. I have them facing Boston. You would have them facing Philly. Um, who you got in your I, Toronto Philly? This would be a rematch of a crazy series last year. An awesome rematch. And, and you know, Philly's a team that I was very, very high on preseason. Uh, I thought that they had a great chance to have the best record in the league. Uh, a preseason prediction for me to come out of the Eastern Conference. But I, I have to be honest, again, if they're a bad matchup, you know, one spot, you got to be honest, uh, here where right. the matchup is not in their favor. And Joel Embiid went to Toronto and scored zero points. And that's because Mark Gasol is a guy that gives him problems. And I don't believe um, that that is a singular instance. And I don't mean he's going to score zero points every time. But I'll tell you right now, I'm not playing any Joel Embiid props over the number. Uh, if we get this exact matchup, I lean towards the Toronto Raptors. All right, fair enough. I'm not going to, uh, you know, be homerish too much on my Celtics pick. Uh, you're giving me the heat already. I'm not going to have both the teams that I have futures bets on facing each other in the Eastern Conference Finals. I feel like that would be a little bit too, uh, you know, jaded, shall we say. So I'll give you that the Toronto Raptors kind of summon the echoes, have their championship pedigree, and advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. So we both, it sounds like, have an Eastern Conference Finals of – the two seed versus the four seed, which yeah. is viable. Okay, that's mm-hmm. absolutely viable. So talk to me about how you would see a Raptors Heat series matchup. So this one's really tough. One of the funny, like one of the absolute ridiculous things with this Miami Heat team, right? Is so they're like they're one of the home road teams that we mentioned. Yes. But they have road wins over Philly, Milwaukee, and Toronto. Now none of that plays a factor here in this. They're not traveling to Toronto. But my point right. is they like Miami has beaten these teams. Mm-hmm. They just have. And Jimmy Butler in this series is the best player on the court. Siakam, I think he's the best player on the court. Right. And, I, and I think Bam Adebayo is as in, is is right up there with your with Lowry and Siakam. Like Bam right. Adebayo has been absolutely special this year. I I think that this is an incredible matchup. I think when you want to call like head coach advantage, I love Spolstra. Nick Nurse is, is Nick Nurse to me is coach of the year this year. Like there there are so many things to like with with both of these rosters and both of their situations. But I. I just I can't kind of get past a lot of things that Miami has done here. And I know that they were also somewhat losing um, the rope a little bit towards season's end. And that somewhat makes this a little bit difficult. But if I think that they can get past Milwaukee, I think it'd be silly for me to not think that they could then get past Toronto. All right. So let me ask you this, you know, because I'm going to take Miami cash in my bet if I can in this (laughs) this projection universe that we are in. But, you know, in all honesty, when I look at the futures odds here, Kevin, for the NBA champion, yeah. look at these Eastern Conference teams that we've discussed. I mean, the Milwaukee Bucks are the overall favorite at plus 240. It mm-hmm. sounds like you and I both think, like, they can be had, yeah. okay, on some level, mm-hmm. right? So it's interesting when we look at these other teams. I mean, the Celtics are 20 to 1. The Raptors are 24 to 1. The Heat are 27 to 1. The yeah. Sixers are 27 to 1. So when we're talking about Miami or Boston, Toronto or Philly, and these are all between 20 and 27 to 1. I kind of think that the smart money is to try to find someone not named Giannis in Milwaukee 
mm. to come out of the East and then, you know, represent the East in the NBA championship. Because talk to me also about hedging, Kevin, right? Oh, Let's yeah. say, oh, yeah. you know, whether it's Miami or Philly, okay, or Boston or Toronto, these are all between 20 and 27 to 1, mm-hmm. okay? So call it Toronto at 24 to 1. If they do hit the finals, right, yeah. then their championship odds are going to be like, at worst, plus 250, right? And that is incredible value then to, you know, cash out your bet, to hedge Mm -hmm. off of by betting the Western Conference team or by betting the Western Conference team game by game, right? If you get through it that far, how might you hedge off one of these futures bets? And the reality is for for bettors, you have to decide what kind of game you're playing here. If every single time you make a bet, okay, and now when you make a bet on on an NFL Sunday, make the bet to win, right? Don't make the bet at halftime to back out of the bet. No. Okay, but if you but if you can you can and people do I that. I find the middle though. No, hundred percent, hundred percent, right? But like your your instant like when you go into that bet, it should be I believe this is a winning bet, and then if at halftime an opportunity arises itself, you know take advantage of it. With that being said, when it comes to the futures market, do not be to me. I, I think sometimes people are too headstrong when it comes to the futures market, man. If you believe that the Toronto Raptors are going to win the NBA championship, right, and they're plus two forty, or or I'm sorry, uh, they're they're you know twenty four to one as you right. said, right? Twenty four to one. Now that's a great bet. Now if you think they're only going to make it out of the East, that's still a great bet. It's still a great bet. Now you might say, well, wouldn't I just be better, you know, betting them to win the East? You can do both. You can do right. both. You Split absolutely your unit can. Up. Like you you can you can play it different ways. But the ability to hedge is something that I think some, is sometimes looking uh, uh, somewhat negatively at. Like, oh, you're backing out. It's uh, the coward's way. Oh, not right? a pocket and a profit. <laughs> it's, it's at the end of the day, like, when you gamble, you're gambling to make money. If you're just solely gambling for the thrill ride, then lower what you're doing here, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, you lower what you're doing. I know there's people like that, right? You like to throw your five-team parlays together. You let it ride. Yeah. And every single time, game three loses, and you never even get to see what happened with games four and five. Right. I've done it myself. I've done it myself. I still do it. But it's more of a throwaway bet, right? Not something where you're trying to actually make money. Something where it's more for the fun and the rooting interest of it all. Not as, like, five-team parlays are not, like, an approved way to beat the books. No, you're not going to beat the books that way. And, and I will tell you this. Like, there were points in the NFL season, though, where I found my – I mean, I was playing 16 teasers like it was the only way to bet the it, NFL. It, because I was just like, I mean, the NFL, yeah, the NFL left me out on a desert where I was looking for answers multiple, multiple Sundays. Like sorry. I, it's just how it was. Like there, I don't know. I get into it. But when it comes to the NBA in this futures market, you have to be willing to hedge, and that is the attraction with grabbing these prices and, and being able to grab them earlier when you can see the jump coming. And this Raptors team has established themselves. You know, one of the best games that we got before everything shut down was the Raptors who hosted the Milwaukee Bucks. And the Bucks came away with that game. And this Bucks team is great. And I already feel somewhat stick, you know, sick betting against them here in this hypothetical scenario. But Toronto also looked like they could hang right there with them. Right. We talk about good matchups and bad matchups. There's not one team for me that if Toronto plays, I go, that's the death matchup for them. They have, a, they, have a, they have a good chance against anybody uh, that they could potentially see out East. That's right, and that's why we had them in the Eastern Conference Finals just falling ultimately to the Miami Heat. When we come back, hour number two, we do the same exercise and crown a Western Conference champion. I've got some ideas where variance comes into play. I'm going to surprise you guys on hour number two of the early line. It's Dane and Kevin giving you the edge. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com